Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, January 29th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Apple earnings. Google is testing another chat app. We know that Uncle Sam is wary of Huawei, but did you know he also doesn't trust DJI? Lime is testing AI scooters and the new app that will let you skip the ads without screwing over publishers. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Apple earnings, y'all. Apple reported Q1 revenue of $91.8 billion, up 9% year over year, of which $79.1 billion came from products and $12.7 billion came from services. Services were up 19% year over year. The company also had net income of $22.2 billion and is estimating a range of between $63 and $67 billion for Q2 revenue, a bigger range than it normally forecasts. We'll come back to that in a second. But let's drill down more first. Apple reported $10 billion in revenue from its wearable and home accessories bucket, where it puts the likes of AirPods and Apple Watch. That category was up 37% year over year, and notable that that means the category generated more revenue than the Mac category for the first time ever. The Mac category was down 3% year over year. Also notable that Apple reached 1.5 billion active devices up from $1.4 billion a year ago. As Benedict Evans noted on Twitter, that means that Apple now has more active devices in use than Microsoft does, mainly because of iPhones, of course. Breaking out iPhone sales, Apple reported $56 billion worth, up 8% year-over-year. On the earnings call, Tim Cook said that the three newest iPhones were the best-selling Apple phones every week of the quarter. As for the China question, Apple claims it was responsible for three of the top four best-selling smartphones in the Chinese market in Q1. But back to that range in revenue guidance for the next quarter, Apple hung the uncertainty there directly on the Wuhan coronavirus. Apple has suppliers in the Wuhan area of China, but it says it is working on mitigating any disruptions to supply chains. The question is, will the virus overall affect sales in China overall, quoting CNET. The situation is emerging, and we're still gathering lots of data points and monitoring it very closely, Tim Cook said during a call with analysts after the company reported record earnings. He noted that as of last week, Apple had limited employee travel to affected areas to business-critical situations. Apple also closed a store in China because of the coronavirus, and a number of its retail partners have also closed their locations, Cook said. Many of the stores that remain open have also reduced operating hours, Cook said, and the company is taking extra precautions for its staff and customers. It's deep cleaning its stores frequently and conducting temperature checks of retail workers to make sure they remain healthy. While our sales within the Wuhan area itself are small, retail traffic has also been impacted outside of this area across the country in the last few days, Cook said, end quote. As for Apple TV+, Plus, no word on subscriber numbers, which might be telegraphing something, just not sure what. 
Apple merely said that Apple TV Plus did not materially contribute to earnings this quarter, although they do expect it will start contributing to the growth of the services business in the near future. There are 480 million subscribers across all Apple devices, and the company did boost its estimates for subscribers this year to reach 600 million people from a previous estimate of 500 million. Look, I swear I do not like to drag companies overly, but, you know, sometimes reputations are earned. And what does Google have a reputation for? Well, launching a million different products and initiatives only to shut them down. We touched on that again yesterday. But what are they also known for? Launching a million different chat and video and just general communication apps that often overlap and seemingly are redundant. And so, you know... Why not another one? Sources are telling the information that Google is testing a new communications app for businesses that will bring together functions from Gmail, Google Drive, Hangouts Meet, Hangouts Chat, and more. They're throwing the whole kitchen sink at this one. The new app is expected to be a part of G Suite. So your guess is as good as mine. Is this Google's version of Slack? The return of Google Wave? Maybe Google Plus Plus? Quoting the information... The new application could provide Google a new tool in its efforts to win share in the giant market for workplace communications and productivity apps. The biggest player in that business is Microsoft with its Office 365 suite of apps. A part of that suite is Microsoft Teams, which combines a number of functions in a single app, including workplace chat, video conferencing, internet telephony, and productivity offerings. A spokesperson for Google Cloud declined to comment. It couldn't be learned whether and how the new app will affect Google's current lineup of standalone communications apps. For years, Google has had one of the more confusing collections of communications apps in the tech industry, many with overlapping functions. It killed one of its mobile email clients, Inbox, along with a WhatsApp-like messaging service called Allo. The company has announced plans to end its classic Hangouts app and transition its users to two new apps, Hangouts Meet and Hangouts Chat, by June, end quote. So, yeah... A new messaging app that will basically incorporate and repackage at least two of its other existing messaging apps. As Daso Megabit said on Twitter, You mean the same effing idea as Hangouts Meet, but with a tweaked UI, a couple different buttons, a lack of at-launch features, and of course, the product of a completely different siloed team from any other Google product dealing with messaging. Stay away. End quote. Sorry, Google. You've suddenly become a parody of yourself. The U.S. Department of the Interior has introduced a no-fly rule for Chinese-made drones or drones made with Chinese parts amid espionage concerns. To be clear, this ban is for the department's own use of drones. They're not grounding Chinese-made drones generally for the rest of us or anything like that. And the department will be making exceptions for tracking wildfires and other emergencies such as search and rescue operations. The department grounded all of its drone fleet last year for similar espionage concerns after it found that all of its roughly 800 drones were made in China or had Chinese parts. 
And, quote, in 2017, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security warned that it believes Chinese drone manufacturer DJI is, quote, selectively targeting government and privately owned entities to expand its ability to collect and exploit sensitive U.S. data, end quote. DJI officials have disputed that claim. DJI said users can prevent their drones from transmitting data back to the company or connecting to the Internet and that the Chinese government has never sought the data that it has stored. The U.S. military has largely stopped buying Chinese-made drones as well, end quote. So I guess the implication here is that there might be some sort of software backdoor that would send data somewhere where the government wouldn't want it to go. I mean, they're not afraid of Chinese-made screws or anything, right? Now, I knew that the government was afraid of Huawei, but today I guess I learned they're afraid of DJI too. By the way, on the Huawei front... Like the British government, news came down today that the EU has told its member states that they should also limit high-risk vendors like Huawei, but the EU did not recommend a total ban when building out 5G networks like the U.S. government was pressuring them to do. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Quick follow-up to something from yesterday. 
I was quite impressed and spoke well of Facebook's off-Facebook activity tool, but according to Shoshana Widinsky at Gizmodo, the tool won't actually clear the data collected about you from other apps and sites. It only actually clears the third-party connections to your Facebook account. Quote, by using this tool, you're just telling Facebook to put the data it has on you into two separate buckets that are otherwise mixed together. Put another way, Facebook is offering a one-stop shop to opt out of any ties between the sites and services you peruse daily that have some sort of Facebook software installed and your own platform activity on Facebook or Instagram. The only thing you're clearing is a connection Facebook made between its data and the data it gets from third parties, not the data itself, end quote. I.e., Facebook still has the data, the third parties still have the data, they're just no longer actively connected if you use this tool. And another segment that I don't really want to do, but feel obligated to anyway, the Electronic Frontier Foundation says it has found that the Ring app on Android covertly sends personally identifiable information of users to third parties, including Facebook and Mixpanel. Or as the EFF puts it, Ring isn't just a product that allows users to surveil their neighbors. The company also uses it to surveil its customers. Quote, an investigation by EFF of the Ring doorbell app for Android found it to be packed with third-party trackers sending out a plethora of customers' personally identifiable information, or PII. Four main analytics and marketing companies were discovered to be receiving information such as the names, private IP addresses, mobile network carriers, persistent identifiers, and sensor data on the devices of paying customers. The danger in sending even small bits of information is that analytics and tracking companies are able to combine these bits together to form a unique picture of the user's device. This cohesive whole represents a fingerprint that follows the user as they interact with other apps and use their device, in essence providing trackers the ability to spy on what a user is doing in their digital lives and when they are doing it. All this takes place without meaningful user notification or consent, and in most cases, no way to mitigate the damage done. Even when this information is not misused and employed for precisely its stated purpose, in most cases marketing, this can lead to a whole host of social ills, end quote. Now, grain of salt to add in here on Twitter, Dari Obasanjo tweeted this, quote, Practically every mobile app uses analytics packages for their telemetry and conversion tracking of app install ads they run on ad networks. EFF framing this as a Ring-specific privacy is misleading and just jumping on the Ring negative press bandwagon, end quote. Lime is testing new AI-based technology on its scooters, which it claims will warn riders when they are on sidewalks. The pilot program will roll out first to scooters in San Jose, California. Riding on the sidewalk is the biggest no-no of e-scooter usage, and frankly, the scooter companies probably have a big incentive to crack down on this, because the biggest complaint about scooter riders is sidewalk riding, so if Lime can get you to break the habit, it is far more likely that municipalities and the general public will warm up to scooter usage. Quoting CNET, Using artificial intelligence, an accelerometer, and speed data on each ride, Lime said it can determine with up to 95% accuracy the type of road a person may be scooting on. If the company determines the rider is on a sidewalk 50% or more of the time, it'll send them a push notification saying to abide by the law. 
Electric scooters go up to 15 miles per hour, and city officials around the world have complained the vehicles endanger pedestrians when used on sidewalks. One woman in Barcelona was killed after a scooter collided with her on a sidewalk, and there have been hundreds of other accounts of people being injured in such accidents. Regulators in Denver originally allowed scooter riding on sidewalks, but revised the law in August to ban such activity because of the danger to pedestrians, end quote. Have you heard about the Scroll app? It launched yesterday. It's a new news app that gives you ad-free access to around 300 websites, including BuzzFeed News, Business Insider, and Vox, all for just $2.49 a month for the first six months, then $4.99 a month after that. Ad-free web browsing. Don't we already have that with ad blockers? Actually, this is more interesting because, along with blocking the ads, the publisher's who have partnered with Scroll get a cut of your monthly subscription to Scroll. Scroll was founded by Tony Hale, who previously led Chartbeat. Here's how he described it to TechCrunch, quote, He noted that every reader's payment is dispersed separately based on their own engagement and loyalty rather than putting all of the subscription revenue into a single pool. So your money will never go to a site that you've never visited, and you'll even get a monthly report showing which publishers your money is supporting. The startup estimates that a normal page view brings in only 0.011 of a dollar through advertising versus 0.016 with scroll. And the startup also offers a revenue calculator to help publishers confirm that they won't be losing money. Speaking of publishers, Hale says he's trying to bring a broader range of sites into scroll, representing a similarly broad range of viewpoints. Again, because the money isn't going to a single pool, you don't have to worry about supporting a site that you don't like unless you're doing a lot of hate-clicking and reading, end quote. And in his processor newsletter this morning, Dieter Bone was impressed with how they're pulling this off. Quote, Scroll's entire method of stopping ads is an absolutely ingenious repurposing of third-party cookies. You log into Scroll, it sets a cookie, and then the websites you visit see that special cookie and don't serve you ads. It's not even ad blocking. They just don't get served. It's actually quite elegant. But if you take a second to think through the chain of communications and deals that are required to make it that elegant, it seems like a hellacious hack. Although you have to constantly have Scroll email you a magic link and then ensure you open it in the right browser, it means that you are getting your paid-for ad-free experience in the app of your choosing. Unlike Apple News, you aren't forced into a not-especially-great app. You don't get a link that seems like it goes to a web page but actually just goes to Apple's app. You can also use it on any device you own, not just Apple's products. Also, unlike Apple News, this subscription isn't really a subscription. For publications that put articles behind paywalls, Scroll won't get you in. It's a much easier solution for websites to get paid than asking each of them to roll their own subscription. It tracks where you visit and automatically divvies up payment between those partner sites. I could, and eventually will, quibble about the percentage Scroll is taking, about $1.50 out of every $5, or 30%. As an independent startup, I'm not going to begrudge Scroll its revenue, though, and it likely needs a bigger cut to stay in business than Apple or Google do on their app stores. If the company hits scale, though, I'd like to hope that it will find a way to reduce that cut." End quote. This whole idea of sustainable platforms being the ones that take over some part of what I'm calling the frustration stack for businesses is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. The classic case is how credit cards basically took over the entire back-end accounting and credit hassles for small businesses, or how 
AWS took over the roll-your-own server racks headache for startups. It's something, actually, that I hope we'll be talking about on a weekend bonus episode shortly. Hint, hint. But yeah, taking over the headache of each and every publisher having to create their own subscription revenue system, that seems pretty powerful. By the way, speaking of apps I'm bullish on, I mentioned a couple days ago that the Stay app for macOS has solved that problem I was having with my external monitors swapping the windows that were open on them every time I unplugged my laptop. Stay has fixed that, and I thank the listeners who turned me on to it, but it occurred to me, when you find an app that works beautifully, that solves a real problem for you, and is made by an indie developer, it's worth showing that developer some love if you have a platform to do so. So I wanted to let you know that the Stay app is created by Cordless Dog. This is not a paid advertisement. This is literally just me saying thanks to what clearly looks to be an independent developer. Check them out at cordlessdog.com. They have two other cool apps as well, Air Volume and Knit Counter. Talk to you tomorrow.